It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my dear friend, Katrina Roddy. Katrina, I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are originally from Chicago, but raised in Juliet, right? Yes. So you could say Chicago land. Chicago land, I'm definitely. Part of that. Yeah. yeah. Still it's still considered Chicago land. Yeah. It's the second biggest city in Illinois. Who knows? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So what was that like growing up? I mean, you have experiences in both cities. Yeah. Um tell me a little bit about life in, in Juliet for you, your family and upbringing. So I am number 5 of 6. There's three boys and three girls. Okay. And so my parents um came here from Southern Illinois. They were in little small towns called Pulaski, population 100, Ullen, population 200. But um, that's where they grew up. And so we were in, so my, other, my oldest siblings were in that area until my parents decided to move this way. And they moved this way and she moved with her sister. And um, once they all came up this way, then I was born, Joliet. Silver Cross Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was it like out there? I mean, growing up, um, I mean, as far as the community, I really don't know anything about yeah. Joliet, to be honest with you. So so from what I understand, we were the first blacks on our block. Oh, geez. And um, we had another co- another family move in at the end of the block. And that was like a couple of years later. And they had five children. So our kids, everybody on that block went to school together. Mm-hmm. And so that was very interesting. What I learned, though, is when I... I moved in Chicago, hmm, it's been about 25 years now. Mm-hmm. So when I moved here, that's when I started to learn how everything was segregated. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I mean, because I went to school with everybody. Yeah, if you yeah. were in our neighborhood, you went to the same elementary school, went to the same junior high school, you went to the same, well, not the same high school because there was a couple of them that they can go to. So um, the majority of the people went to these schools so I didn't know that people were separated until I actually started living here and moved here, so, which was good, you know, because we just kind of grew up with everybody. And and the reason you moved here was because you went to school here. Yeah. So I moved here because my parents at the time retired. My dad in 1989 had a very terrible motorcycle accident. Oh, wow. Um, So it put him in the hospital for quite a few weeks. Yeah. And once that happened... um. You know, he recovered from it, but he still had some injuries and it they wanted to move a place where that was a little bit warmer because of his feet and his, you know, all the medical issues that Mm. he had gone through in a motorcycle accident. So they moved to Kentucky. But by that time, I was working downtown Chicago. Mm -hmm. So because I was working downtown, I didn't want to give that up because I really enjoyed it. And so that's when I moved to the city. Okay. so now you went to Robert Morris. I did. And you were explaining to me that part of the reason that, one, well, one of the reasons you went there was they had a, a work program, right? Yeah. Where, yep. or, tell me about so, you know, how you got involved uh, in the field that you're still in, right? Since yeah. back then. So my family, um, I mean, we couldn't really afford to send people to school. I was the first one in my, of six in my family to go to college, oh, wow. graduate from college. And it's just because I was determined. My peers at the time kind of, they were going, I wanted to go. But my family, because of this, my dad had a motorcycle accident Mm -hmm. like in April. 
and I graduated June, I knew for sure at that point, even if I tried to sneak in college, you know, and say that they could help me pay for it, they couldn't pay for it. And actually, they didn't want you to go to school, right? Nope. They, they didn't want me to go to school just because it would create another bill in the house. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. it's just the era that they grew up in. You know, they had of been course. married for 60 years. And when they got together, they were 16, 17. So mm-hmm. they were like, find a job and go make a living. Yeah. You know, you and your, you and your spouse go make a living. And so I guess I was a little bit of a rebel. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to do that. And so I decided to, um, I decided to go to school. However, I remember different colleges coming in for like college tours. Mm-hmm. And I was in my English class in a college, um, when a college representative for Robert Morris came in and said, hey, you can actually find schools, that, companies, corporations that will help you pay for schooling while you're there. And I was like, really? And I've always been that person. Really? Let me see if that really works. Let me see for myself. Yeah, let me see for myself. Does that work? And um, I decided to follow up with it. And that's when I got into Robert Morris. And I got into what they call a co-op program. So my grades were good enough for me to get into this program where I would go to school half day. And that job, I would go to school half day and then I would work half day. Mm -hmm. Whatever job they would help me find. Yeah. And that other half day, the job would report back to my school as if it was a classroom. So they'd tell me how I dressed, if she was dressed appropriately for business. If she, you know. That's what you're saying. You had to wear a suit, right? I had to wear a suit right out of high school. (laughs) You know, she wasn't very happy. My mom wasn't very happy about that. Right out of high school, 18. My son's 18 now. I can imagine having to go out finding him suits every day. (laughs) So I had to wear a suit. And I know I'm dating myself, but I'm going to say this anyway. You couldn't wear pantsuits <laughs> oh no way for real yeah they had to be skirt suits oh wow and, yeah. and the program you went into originally um despite the fact that you're an insurance was a legal program right yeah so i went into a legal program at robert morris um because at the time i thought i wanted to be a lawyer but i didn't want to go to law school i didn't know how that would work but i wanted to be a lawyer i wanted to learn legal i wanted to learn contracts and so i went into a legal program 30 kids in the class there were 29 of them that found a job at a law firm. <laughs> and then there was one that didn't. And there was the one. <laughs> Some of these things just doesn't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was the one that couldn't find a job at a law firm. And I ended up, um, an insurance company hired me and said, we'll put her in our legal staff. So not only did they put me in their legal staff, but they let me explore insurance. And that's when I started to get this interest in, oh, you can do all kind of stuff in here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of kicked me off into going into insurance. I know a lot of people study for it now. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. I kind of got pushed into it. You're saying it's a blessing, too, because everyone that you were in the program with didn't like. No, they didn't like it because they got hired at law firms. So a lot of the lawyers would say, you know, they didn't trust you. We're 18. They're not trusting you with anything. And they're just like, hey, um, go get coffee for me. Go file these papers. Go do this. And I had responsibilities. You know, I was in bookkeeping. I was in claims. I just kind of floated. Sure. They called me a floater. Mm -hmm. I just kind of floated through the company, learning different aspects of the company. And I'd come back to class. I had morning work and then afternoon class. I'd come back in class happy and, you know, telling everybody what I learned. And they're like, yeah, okay. Sit down, please. (laughs) (laughs) But you were all excited. I was really excited. That's awesome. So, yeah. That kind of catapulted me. I mean, not not to date yourself or anything, but But times are different now, obviously. What what was it like for you then? I mean, a young black woman, you know, in in this new city that, 
uh, it was very culturally different from what you were used to, right? Yeah. What, what was it like navigating through those times? So it was it was very interesting because what I started learning is that, so my boss, who was at the first job, who actually hired me into the company, she was a black woman. And so I kind of looked up to her because I could see her navigate through the company. And then she left. And so after that, I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe I, I'm just going to be an assistant because that was a lot of a lot of the people. And maybe to this day, a lot of them were if they were black and you were female or male, if you worked at one of these big corporations, maybe you were on the administrative side. Mm. And so I didn't see any people in leadership. That's why I kind of looked up to her because she was a manager. Mm. And so, you know, I was like, OK, that's what I want to do. How is she getting there? Um, she left the company. And she pulled me over. That's amazing. So I'm like, uh, yeah. She just <laughs> called me up on the phone one day. It's like, hey, would you like to work at? And I'm like, doing what? I'm still young. I don't even know the questions to ask. And not even that. You asked. Yeah. I said, well, how much are you paying? <laughs> she told me $18,000 a year. And I'm like, that's great. Seemed so, like a lot of money back then, right? Seemed like a lot of money. So I moved there um, to another company and they continued to pay for my college. Yeah. So I didn't. I wasn't faced with student loans and I wasn't faced with any of that. I was fortunate enough to work for corporations that offered tuition reimbursement and I was able to get my college paid for. Now, I know you as one of the strongest women, some of the strongest people that I know. <laughs> of course you are. Um, don't deny it. What, what did you have to overcome during those times? Because I'm sure that you were paving the way for what today we just take for granted. Yeah. But back then, I mean, you mentioned it in leadership positions and yeah. then like, what was that like? What kind of, uh, you know, mindset did you have to have or, or learn or adapt in order to get through that and over, you know, and, and succeed in it? So in corporate America was a different animal. Um, and I know I'm glad you're sitting down for this, but I was really quiet. Yeah, I was really quiet. Wow. And it wasn't quiet because, um, you know, I just didn't have anything to say. It was more quiet because I used to think that these other people in different roles, maybe they were smarter than me. And maybe, mm. you know, so it was, I was in, intimidated a lot, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, because I was always the youngest, always the youngest. Every company I went to, I was the youngest. Georgette, who was smoking cigarettes in a corner, dating myself. <laughs> she smoked, I just in, the office, right? in the office, right? In the office, in the office with a bottle of gin <laughs> yeah, in her drawer yeah, yeah. in the office. But she, um, you know, she had a very strong voice. I thought Georgette was... Georgette was gonna do it <laughs> so I was just intimidated a lot yeah. but a lot of that time you know even sitting back and not being as vocal as I was as I am now I should say um I learned I listened you know and I learned how to navigate myself and you know as I got further and further into my career I realized that I can I do have a voice and people are listening yeah so I should probably speak up that's so, you know, it kind of transformed. But remember, I started at 18. You know, I started at 18 and I um, ended my corporate career at 48. Wow. So that's, you know, 30 years. 30 years in the same industry, right? I literally grew up in the industry. Wow. And it was always, in, uh, you, you mentioned it was commercial too, right? I yep. mean, it was a little bit different than most. You hear about insurance now. Yeah. And everyone seems to be more of the... Uh, personal or, yeah. you know, insurance. Um, what, what, what was that like? I mean, it, was, it seemed like it's pretty much a a certain type yeah. of a person, right? Yeah. And and you didn't necessarily fit that mold. Not then, at first, no. Yeah. You know, I didn't fit it. But I didn't know. I, that's all I knew. I didn't yeah. know anything other than commercial insurance. And so, um, 
taken on roles in what we call national accounts. Mm-hmm. National accounts are these big companies. You know, when I left my last company, I had clients like Saks Fifth Avenue. I had Discover Card. I had Post Serial. So these were big clients, and um, it takes a minute to get to that position where you are their advocate. Because if you're working for insurance for them, you prospect. I hear some of these prospects now. We prospected three to five years out. So you had to build a strong relationships, a long, strong relationship before they even allow you to say, hey, I want to handle your insurance coverages for you. Sure. Because at that size, they become a financial play. Mm-hmm. And so it took a while, took trust. It took, you know, they really wanted to know, who are you? I can I trust you with with the things that I'm doing here because it's a lot. It's For a sure. lot of money. It's a lot of. For sure. We got employees. We got you know what are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. So. Now when it came to um, so you have a son. Yeah. London. London's eighteen. Eighteen years old. So obviously you had him while you were working in the industry. Yeah. Wasn't the easiest thing to be and and, and a single mom to add to it right? Yeah. Wasn't always an easy road. No. And you had some no. stories. Not at all. It was not an easy road. Um. A lot of the time, being a single mom, it was extremely hard just because I wanted to be successful, you know, in my career, and I wanted to be successful as a single mom, mm-hmm. and I didn't want the roads to cross. I didn't want the work-life balance. I didn't want to cross anything. I just wanted to go home and be home and be at work and be at work, and so that created some challenges, but then I learned how to maneuver through them, and it takes a company and a special person at that company to give you chances that help you succeed through that. Mm. And so earlier on, you know, I had bosses that would tell me, you know, hopefully, you know, he doesn't get as sick as much. Because he did have some issues, right? He had I some mean, breathing it, issues yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. And well, they, I hope he doesn't get that sick. And I, I can't really control that. <laughs> and you shared a story with me that I, I found well, frightening I yeah. mean, to have to go through something like that. But when he was one. Yeah. So when he was one, he had, um, this is a story that I remember so in the world of insurance, especially in corporate accounts, the month, um, July 1st, it's called 7-1. Your 7-1 is a big month because mm-hmm. a lot of these big companies, they may renew their accounts then. So there's a lot of prep to do these accounts. And so I recall he was one year old and I, um, I got a call from his daycare saying that he's having a, you know, he can't breathe. And so what do I do? So I instructed her to take him to the hospital. And on the drive there, I called my doctor to let her know, called his doctor to let her know we're going to the hospital. I'm going to the hospital with him. And um, she's like, well, where are you now? And I'm like, I'm driving there. Who's taking them? Like, I get all of these questions, and she's like, who's taking them? And I said, well, daycare provider. Where are you now? Like, she's asking me the same thing over. And then finally she blurts out, if you don't get to your son right away, I am going to call the authorities on you. She said, let me explain to you how he's breathing right now. Mm-hmm. She said, if you had to run a marathon, eight-minute mile, right, and I give you a straw and say you can only breathe out of that straw after you finish this marathon, you couldn't do it. That's how he's breathing right now. Oh, it's got to be so frightening. And so I'm driving. I'm I'm crying the whole time. I'm like, no, no, I'm thinking she's going to call the authorities on me for <laughs> one. And then I'm thinking, you know, I got to get to my son now. You know, I was so concerned about being in corporate and mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. you know, what they may say about me leaving to yeah. go with him. Um, it's, just, it's frightening. And so I got to him. I get to the hospital. I call the job and I say, hey, I'm here. 
And, you know, they, in the beginning, yeah, okay, we're, oh, that's really sad. I, I, I hope he's better. But they ended the call with, but you do know this is 7-1, so we need to make sure you get, and I'm like, curse word, curse word. I don't give an F about a 7-1. I'm trying to get to my child who can't breathe. Yeah. So it it's just, it's the environment. It breeds this kind of stuff. For sure. They make you eat your firstborn, really. Yeah. <laughs> right, part of like, the right? requirement. Yeah, but, you know, I don't believe some of those hap- some of those things happened for the men there, but because I was a single mom, right. we, you know, there's a, there's a true contra- contrast. Am I saying yeah, that? No, yeah, of course. Contrast? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, did your perception change of the company you worked for at the time? Yeah. 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 And then? Because I think, I thought it was just culture. Because everybody did the same thing. And when you're in it, you don't know because everybody's doing the same thing. So I leave there and I go work for another company and they were family friendly. So now I'm afraid because I'm like, if he has a breathing issue, I'm afraid of what they may do if I have to call off. Right. Because I've been, you know, Mm -hmm. been in this other company who told me what they would do if we have to call off. And so they were like, hey, bring your son to work. I'm like, why? Just so we can keep them. I'm like, uh, I don't think. (laughs) Why would I bring them here? (laughs) I got work to do. But they would literally have like some of the administrative people, you know, stay with the kids, take them to lunch and do whatever. You know, if you wanted to bring them in, you did. And they would call me if he got sick. And I would say, okay, I'm only going to be out because I'm so nervous about, you know, I spent seven years at this company. I'm so nervous about what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And they would say, bring them in. Um, and then I, they would call me back if he got sick, and they were like, it doesn't take a day to heal, so stay off as long as you need to. Nice. And they meant it. Yeah. They weren't like, okay, she's going to stay off, and we're going to mark it down. So it was just a very family-oriented company. So that's when I learned that, you know what? It just takes a, that certain person to care and not be driven into the culture that we're working in to you know, help you get through these things. Absolutely. So, yeah. So how long were you in corporate America for? Uh, exactly 30 years. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. So you decided to leave corporate America. Yeah. Right. And you pursue what? I didn't decide. Oh, you didn't decide. They decided to leave me. You manifested. (laughs) I manifested. (laughs) Yeah. The last company I was at, I was at for 10 years. And then, um, I remember getting a call from my boss at the time and he said, and you were being groomed. Yeah. I was being groomed to go to the next level. Right. And so he calls me and he says, um, they're letting me go. And I'm like, I, I don't know. He said, we just need to talk because I know. They're letting you know, your boss go. They're letting like, my boss go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, okay. And so a few hours later, he calls. Said, they're letting us all go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pretty shocked. Yeah. Pretty shocked. Um, it, it hit us pretty hard. So after he did that, um, I decided that, you know, I wasn't going to go back into corporate because I'd been in it so long. And I had certain goals, you know, that I wanted to do. You know, I always said, by the time I'm 50, I'm going to leave anyway and do this and do that. And, you know, I kind of talked it into existence. And so I took, you know, I, I took it and said, this is what I'm going to do. And so I decided to become an independent. And how'd that go for you? How was it just what you expected? Did you have some challenges? No, up front? I had many challenges. Yeah. But on the bright side of it, I had, um, there was a lot that I learned in corporate that, took for gra- that I took for granted. Mm-hmm. I took it for granted. I took the skills that I had for granted. Um, but a lot of times we all did in yeah. corporate just because you're working. That's your job description. Got to do it. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no way around it. Yeah. And so when you become an independent, what you learn very quickly is 
you did your job because you had to do it. But some of the other things that you may not have done, it could have been somebody else's job. So when you become independent, you got to do all of it. Right. And so I, I was learning from people who, you know, had different positions and taking the skills that I had and just saying, like, I got to merge all of these. I got to learn as much as I can. I hit a bunch of bumps along the way. I mean, I think the biggest challenge of all was I don't get a check every two weeks. <laughs> like, where's my money? Right, right. <laughs> so when you're an entrepreneur, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you really are. And, and what skills did you take away from the corporate uh, you know, experience that helped you as an so entrepreneur? So there were things that I just did naturally because that used to be part of my job in corporate. Mm-hmm. And I, had do, I have done it so long. So there were skills like leadership skills that I had, um, negotiating skills. Um, there were skills such as presentations. Like I don't mind doing a presentation in front of people because that was part of my job. Mm. I don't mind sitting with people in the C-suite because that was part of my job. So those are the things that I did just because I've done them for years. I've had to do them working on national accounts. Um, Some things I had to get used to was the admin side. You know, I didn't do admin (laughs) that well. But, you know, we had people that helped us do that. Yeah. Um, there were some other things that I didn't learn on that other side because somebody else's job was there. But now it's I'm at a point where I've meshed them all together. Yeah. And, you know, it's what I live with. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, as far as being a single mom still. Yeah. Right. During that time. What um, what new set of challenges did you face? That, oh. You know, because I mean, now you don't have someone telling you with it. Now it's on you. Yeah. Right? You're your boss. Yeah. What was that like? The biggest challenge was not being there. Because I just took everything I had and put it into my work because I thought I had to. So mm. I, and I believe, you know, um, at one point, London was probably feeling like she's here, but she's really not here. Because she's working so hard yeah. to make sure she succeed in this. Because that's all I want to do. I want to succeed. You know, I want to continue to succeed in it to make sure I can provide for him. He's 18 now, but I'm still, he's still like two to me for sure raise your baby yeah. i mean i just had some hard times with him growing up so i just go back to that and say i can't let that happen again you i get fearful of it for sure and i think that just keeps me moving because i don't want to go backwards so you always seem to me like i said you're just such a strong woman but also very grounded in, in, in who you are yeah. and, and very confident you know is that, is that something that, that you always had since you were growing up or no. is that something that you have had to learn I had to learn and, and how did you go about doing that Every single, um, like, progress report, even when I started working, my performance reviews said if she had confidence. Can no you believe way. that? Wow. No, not yeah. at all. I said, you need more confidence. Wow. So it just Never took time. That. You need more confidence. Yeah. Because I would question things. Yeah. Yeah, I would question them a lot because I don't know. Question things, question yourself, question, question everything. Question myself, question things, question, just question everything Mm -hmm. and they were like you can do this and I'll never forget when I worked at a company called Ace my boss at the time was like you need to create an I speech because I can see what you're doing Hmm. but every time you come to me you say we Mm. I'm like we did this and we did that and he's like nope not listening until you say I no way and so I had to create an I speech and that kind of started building my confidence I I, I guess I can do this or I did it already and I'm just giving I just wanted to give everybody credit because I know I didn't do it by myself yeah and so I had to get out of that and I still use we because I need to because we helps me um because there's so many people involved in 
I give credit to a lot of people helping me grow. Of course. And so I always use we. But he's like, I've seen the stuff you're doing. And until you say I, not going to acknowledge. <laughs> yeah. So that was part of it. And then going into the last job I was in, my boss at the time was super supportive. He was super like, here's what we're going to do. I would go to his office to talk. No lie, Tony. To keep me from talking to him about stuff, about how do I do this or how do I do that? Because he was like, you have the confidence you have to do it. He would say, I got a meeting in five minutes. And I'm like, but in five minutes, it'll be like 153. Yeah, I got a meeting. So you got to leave. I'm like, all right. And so he knew by doing that, I would go out and figure it out on my mm, own. Mm, so he's mm. like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to keep you know, hand holding you. Hand holding you through this. I'm not. And he, we laugh at that today. He's one of my biggest mentors, one of That's my awesome. best friends. Yeah. So we talk about it all the time. And he's like, yeah, I would tell Katrina, oh, I had a meeting. You got to go figure it out. <laughs> and I would. And so this just just over the years, it started building up confidence and and understanding. But I, I didn't always have it. Mm. I always thought somebody else could outshine me. And it was all my it was my narrative. I had made up myself. Yeah. So once I got over that, then, you know, and it still comes back, but now I can feel it when it's coming back. And then I just say, oh, okay, you know what? I just got to do this. I and just got to do it. The other part of it, I've always noticed, and I know recently you went through something very traumatic and tragic uh-huh. in, in your life uh, with your mother, yep. right? Losing your mom. Um, and during that time, what I noticed uh, is just how composed you were. Really? And that, oh my God, yeah. But not only that, but from my understanding of it too, that it was your siblings that also kind of looked to you as that, you know. So, again, is that something that how I mean, how do you deal with stuff like that so well? You know, what where where where's your mindset? Where's that your heart at that allows you to overcome something so tragic uh, and so unexpected, right? Because it wasn't. I mean, it was an accident. Yeah. Yeah, like how? What goes through your mind? You know, what goes through Katrina's mind in those moments where? life is just really really hard so it you mentioned it was your mindset and your heart it was not my mindset mm. my mindset was everywhere mm. I was all over the place mm. it was my heart yeah so um there were a lot of things so my mind was just racing it was all over the place but my heart said sit still and you'll get the answers because that's always I've always had to figure out how to just sit still and and listen instead of trying to do this or trying to do that. And so just keeping it all together for me meant getting sleep, getting you know the rest that I needed, um, doing the things that really mattered, which I started a while ago. So these are things that I just didn't start. They kind of, hmm. they heightened during that time. Um, a few years ago, I started doing yoga. So I learned that breathing exercises really relaxed me. Mm-hmm. It really took my mind to something else. And so I did a lot of breathing exercises. I'd spaz out all the time. During that time? During that time and now. I get in a car. So my mom was in a car accident. I get in a car now and there are times where I just start. And I don't, you know, just hitting a brake will make me trigger. Mm. And so it just, you know, it's one of those things where I continue to breathe. I I continue to talk to people about it. And I become a listener for my siblings. Um, I have one sister, she's in Oregon and she would break at just walking and just walking down the street, she'd break. And so she would call me and I would say, I got a 30 minute drive home. Cry as long as you want. I'm not going to say a word. You know, it's just stuff like that. And 
they kind of looked at me and said, okay, well, what are you doing to get through this? Because it seems like you're doing, well, I guess it seemed that way on the outside, but I was really kind of torn and just trying to make my way through it, trying to make sure London was okay, trying to make sure, you know, and I know they, they say you're supposed to make sure you take care of yourself, but I felt at that point myself was taken care of, so I needed mm-hmm. to take care of some others. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I and I see it. I mean, I see yeah. it. And obviously, I would ask, or I would say, you know, you should be giving this advice to others. But I know that yeah. that's what you're working on. Yeah. Right. That that's something that you want to offer others through what you're doing. And yeah. You know, I know not you're on a new venture. Yeah. Right. Tell me about your latest accomplishment. <laughs> I am an author. Woohoo. And it all came about because I left corporate yeah. and I had to figure out a lot of stuff. So I thought, you know, I had enough people to to start asking me. How'd you do that? Or yeah. why'd you do this? Or why'd you do that? And I just wanted to compile it all and put it into one place for them to do that and then offer them some help getting through, getting through the book. So I wrote a book called Steal Your Skills from, Steal Your Skills from Corporate. Mm-hmm. And it's really how to use your corporate skills to become an independent contractor. Wow. Yeah. And so it was important to me. How long had you been thinking about doing that before? You actually started the process of, of writing so, your book. So I've been out of corporate for three years now. Okay. And it probably started in that first year that I started thinking about it. Okay. Just because I would go to networking events, people would say, "How do I do this? And how do I do that?" And I'm and I, I give out. I, I help anybody. Of course you do. And then I just started continuing to get the same questions, the same. They wanted me to talk about the same content. I would go talk about these things to different groups of people, individuals. And then I just decided, look, I'm going to put together a program for this. I'm going to put together some ways to help people get through this who may not have, um, who may have struggles getting through it. Just Mm -hmm. because I did, I, I hit all the bumps on the way tax issues you know being a business person i knew my craft but i didn't know how to be a business person so i had to learn all of that stuff and i just want to make it a smoother and easier ride for other people so now i know that before you know you had mentioned um work-life balance that you didn't want it right yeah Yeah. (laughs) how has your perception changed or how has it matured from that point and what do you what off what advice do you offer others in terms of work-life balance and how being an entrepreneur or being on your own um really i mean you have to have that right yeah you have to like you have to and before when i said i didn't want it um i had to learn very quickly that i needed it Mm -hmm. It wasn't more of a want it was a need and so that's what like part of me writing this book too is there's a chapter in there that talks about how to set your calendar if you know and it's it's shameful to say that you would have to set in a time to just spend time with your child or whatever but for example right now every single morning between eight and ten i do a five mile walk so that's in my calendar and so i schedule all appointments around that so once you start to learn calendar management you can just do things and then you create the time that you're looking for to have that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I won't answer my phones on the weekend for business. I mean, some people do. I just won't. Like, so everything is calendared out, and you just have to stick with that. You have to be accountable. You have to stick with it because what you learn very, what I learned and what you'll learn very quickly is that people will take advantage of your time, and time is very valuable. Absolutely. Can't get it back, right? Can't get it back. And they will take full advantage. So, I mean, if you're, if you're a person and you don't really care about those things, then do it. But for me, I'm like, I need to spend time at home. I need to spend time just breathing, just resting. Um, 
it's like, and I know people use this analogy all the time when you, when your cell phone's going and going and going and going and going, and then it doesn't work as fast, mm-hmm. turn it off. Maybe it has to reboot and then it starts all over again. And so that's what I look at when I, when I look at my life and how do I work and, and what type of time do I want to take off? You just have to do it. There's no, you know, I want to, there's, you have to. Absolutely. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. You can't help out. others, right? Can't help others if you can't. If you're not good, if you're not healthy. Absolutely. Yeah, being healthy is extremely important to me. Oh, Drinking enough water, getting enough sleep. People don't realize how even the sleep, walks. I mean, the but, walks. Yeah, yeah. but, but you're, I mean, so sleep. You were saying too. Yeah, sleep is sleep is crazy. Got to do it. Got to do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> Got to do it. Now, beyond the book, what are other ways that uh, you envision helping others? I know that you're taking a little bit of initiative towards yeah uh, coaching and coaching so one thing that came out of um publishing this book is how can i use it going forward how can i use it to help my community um and what i really discovered is that i want to take this book and use it as a platform i want to help high school seniors you know not everybody can afford college not everybody wants to go to college but maybe they want to learn something else maybe mm-hmm. they want to do something else and show them ways to become an independent contractor Um, maybe getting licensing, maybe getting certifications. These things are much cheaper than college Mm -hmm. and they can still, you know, have a successful career doing it, whatever they choose to be as an independent contractor. But taking it a step further, I'd like to take it and help those who are recently incarcerated and, and and they're out now because it's hard for them to go in and fill out an application and check that box. Absolutely. And so if they don't have to check that box and they can do some things on their own, to become an independent contractor, I'm more than willing to help them. So I'm partnering up with um, with someone now to to help me start that initiative. That's amazing. So yeah, that's what I want to do. That's awesome. Yeah, well, we're excited. Yeah. So what's if someone wanted to reach out to you, who would be those ideal people um, who should be contacting you? So the ideal person is someone who's ready. I mean, because you're going to toy back and forth with the idea because there's going to be a lot of things that come through your mind. It's going to be money. It's going to be time. It's going to be what type of job do I do? What type of person am you know, what type of independent contractor am I? So my ideal person is someone who's ready, someone who's identified what they want to do as an independent contractor. Um, someone who has the time and the resources to do those things because you know it's like being an entrepreneur so you're going to have to figure out you know time and the resources to get those things done and that's what I'm looking for and I've created an eight-week program for those to get through at the end of the program you know we have some things to offer to them so I'm pretty excited we're excited for you yeah well if you guys watching want to reach out to Katrina please do so either directly or by clicking on the link below but I just want to thank she's here. She's always here. And I'm always here. One of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for sharing your story. And we're excited to continue to share your story as it evolves. So until next time. Thank you for your time. No, thank you. Bye.